Hey, welcome to the Gabali School Innovators Podcast. A podcast where we dive into stories of changemakers and innovators within the Fordham community. I'm Brett. Amalia. I'm Geraldo. I'm Gianna. And we are Fordham students trying to promote innovation on campus. Welcome back to another episode of the Gabelli School Innovators Podcast. To set you up for today's episode, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what motivated us to start this podcast. My three co-hosts and I met through the University Innovation Fellowship, a program run at over 200 universities worldwide through Stanford University's School of Design. UIF is a training program that teaches students tools in design thinking, among other skills, and equips them to be change makers on their campus. Fordham has hosted three cohorts of UIF fellows, with four students in each cohort, all led by our fearless faculty champion, Bojana Mirzievska, a professor at both the undergraduate and graduate level at Fordham, who has guided us in our process of innovating and helped us every step of the way. So my colleagues and I were part of the second cohort of University Innovation Fellows on campus. And our guests today are going to be representatives of the very first cohort that Fordham had on campus, which operated from the 2018 to 2019 school year. This cohort included Katerina, Dar, Teddy, and Julia, and their project was to implement a design thinking workshop into the ground floor class that eventually was rolled out to the entire freshman class and is repeated every year at the Gabelli School. In this episode, we welcome Teddy and Julia from Fordham's first ever UIF cohort to talk to us about innovation and their workshop, the insights that led them to create this workshop, and what they learned from creating change in such a large institution. So, Alia, I will let you ask the first question. So introduce yourselves, Um, Julia can start, and just um, then you can tell us more about UIF and the the first ever chapter of UIF. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Julia Butler. Um, I recently just graduated from Fordham University um, this past December. I'm currently on the job hunt, so no new updates there right now, but in terms of kind of what I'm all about and what I've been doing at Fordham. Um, I'm really passionate about sustainability and social impact through business. And I think design thinking and human-centered design can be a really powerful tool to be able to not just create solutions and systematic changes, but also to be able to keep the user and the people at the center. I think right now, especially as we've seen with the pandemic, we really need human-centered solutions. And so um, so yeah, I'm really passionate about that stuff and I'm happy to be here to chat with you today. Yeah, um, I'm Teddy Stratus. I, I also just graduated Fordham in December. Julie and I um, graduated early uh, <laughs> on our game. Um, I majored in business admin, um, concentrating in entrepreneurship and marketing and a v- minor in visual arts. Um, yeah, and this opportunity for UIF came to me freshman year through one of my deans. Um, uh, it was just during a time that I was kind of like not really motivated to stay at Fordham. Um, didn't really see where I could have the most impact. And then this opportunity came. I met with Boshena and it was just like, whoa, like this could really be something that I could be a part of and make change at Fordham at the Gabelli School. Um, so it was interesting. And that kind of helped me want to stay at Fordham. And just to go a little bit farther on your experience with UIF, what brought you to the specific project that you guys ended up working on? 
so, I mean, I think the, the issue that we focus on the most is the fact that Fordham is really great in the fact that it has a lot of resources for innovation and entrepreneurship on campus. Um, but people just don't know how to use them or they don't know that they're there. And so we really wanted to focus on different solutions that we're going to highlight for students, what was actually available on campus, give them like a little taste of what that might look like. And so we had different ways that that might manifest, you know, we had like events, like a big annual event that was going to be like a, almost like a career fair, but with all the different Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship and innovation things. And we'd have speakers and it would be like a fun event with like challenges and hackathons and like, that's still fun. It would still be a fun day, but it's a lot more work than, you know, going into a classroom and and delivering it individually. That's a lot more work for us because we have to then do the workshops for 600 students, but it's less work for, you know, moving parts, you know, having to get vendors, having to get permission from different, you know, um, like locations that we might use and things like that. So at the end of the day, a lot of the feedback that we got, it's just, it just goes to show you know, if you try to solve the problem from your own perspective, it's not always necessarily going to be the best solution. And I think looking back, this was definitely the right project for us to move forward with. Interesting question. I know we had a final four that we each uh-huh. um, kind of came up with ourselves. Uh-huh. And the design and thinking workshop is what the one that we implemented, which was initiated through Katerina. Correct, Julie? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's uh- so funny, Teddy, because so not to cut you off, but the initial way that we had like voted on which one we yeah. liked best, that one came in like third or fourth out of four. Like we were not excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got feedback and all of the professors and the deans and like everyone was like, that's such a good idea. We can absolutely do that right away. And we were like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I think we were just thinking more like bigger picture than yes. just being the f- first cohort to implement something. So yeah thinking back to it, it makes more sense, but. So at the end of the day, what solution did you actually end up picking? And can you tell us more about um, the details of that solution and and how the implementation worked? We, at the end of the day, decided to do um, design thinking workshops that were, the goal was for them to be implemented into the ground floor class, which at Fordham is the introductory business class that they ha- that all freshmen take the first semester that they arrive on campus. And throughout that class, it's essentially just an introduction to all the different functional areas in business. You know, they have things about finance, operations, marketing, all of that stuff. And so to kind of tie together the big project that tends to happen, they change the class really frequently so who knows (laughs) but what tends to happen is people the students build a are put in a teams and build a business plan that they present at the end of the class as their kind of final project um and you know entrepreneurship as a vessel for kind of giving people an opportunity to have um experience with all the different functional areas of business because entrepreneurs have to think about all of those things but i think um you know we had heard in feedback and that, that that's like a little overwhelming for freshmen sometimes and also new from our own personal experience that design thinking can be such a vessel for making that much more accessible and helpful and so we really thought perhaps putting design thinking courses or workshops into the freshman curriculum and have that kind of mandated every year would potentially help the freshmen be able to build this business with the consulting cup which is another big project that Fordham does sophomore year And also, you know, just to 
our ultimate goal really was to get more people engaged with entrepreneurship and innovation on campus. And so the workshop was um, an hour and a half long where we kind of just put everyone into teams and went through the design thinking process. I don't know if you want to go more into depth, Teddy, on, on kind of exactly how the workshop went. Yeah, we did a test for two pop-ups, design thinking mm -hmm. pop-ups. We did a test at Lincoln Center and Rose Hill, which was just doing a design thinking workshop um, that lasted 90 minutes with just students who volunteered at first. And we had some awesome help from uh, the entrepreneurship department to get um, extra credit if they attended the workshops. So we had some- Oh we had yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we used that feedback to see if students actually enjoyed it, actually found value in that pop-up. Um, and then from that, we used that to get feedback from our stakeholders. And so why do you think that design thinking was the right tool to teach ground floor students? I mean, you do make a good case um, that students are having a hard time innovating. Uh, it's it's sometimes an overwhelming task there's also an issue of um, not understanding how to put yourself in the shoes of another and really create a product that fits a particular need um, but what aspects of design thinking do you think are particularly um, interesting and impactful it, it, it's very um it's just kind of a process and a methodology to help you harness your mindset and to foster innovation i mean there's there's my favorite part of it, I think, is what they talk about as um, flaring and focusing. Yes. And so it's this idea that you, the way that we typically problem solve has these different barriers over our mindset. So, you know, you might say, for example, okay, I need to come up with a solution for, um, you know, my transportation issues. Okay, well, this is maybe I can buy a new car. Oh, but I don't have enough money. That's not so like, instead of actually coming up with solutions, you're actually just talking yourself out of it before you even get to your next mm -hmm. idea. And that is so, that's the way we naturally problem solve in today's society, I'd say. <laughs> and it's just not conducive to actually creative and innovative ideas. Um, when you're constantly shooting yourself down, you're not gonna reach the the um, new creative heights that you potentially can. And so by by really training yourself to flare and just let whatever comes out, come out, um, I think that's one of the best things that design thinking can help you achieve. Um, but yeah, the empathy piece is really important as well. And right now we really need to be thinking about solutions from the human's perspective. Um, we don't need to be thinking about it from the corporation's perspective. We don't need to be thinking about it from um, you know, the government's perspective. We need to understand the user and their perspective on the ground because people are facing really dire issues right now. And if we're gonna come up with important and long-term solutions, then we need to be thinking about them on the ground right now. One thing about just like flaring, which I loved, is how that was a time that we told all the students, this is a time that you're not gonna have any judgment. You're gonna come up with as many ideas as you can, no matter how crazy or no matter the limits. Um, and that's something that like even every day, like I never do. And that's something that really helps um, the ideation just session. Um, another thing we did in the workshop was I, I remember we we had a slide with this line how limits are usually people think that limits stop them from growing. Oh yeah, innovators limits are opportunities. And mm -hmm. there's a slide in the workshop where um, we told everyone we gave them a limit. We said, oh, you guys had a you have a time limit to come up with an idea that it, you have to be able to implement it within one year, and you only have you have a monetary limit. Um, yeah, we gave a couple of different constraints. We did yeah. a couple of rounds of constraints. So 
but I, yeah, I agree. I think that's something really, um, really awesome about, about problem solving is like sometimes your limitations and your constraints are actually going to help you reach that prop, that solution faster or better. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, yeah, it's, it's super counterintuitive. Something that I would never even think of, you know, but yeah. it really does work. Yeah. It really does work. And I think you do well to bring up the idea of flaring because, um, in, in other words, the mindset that you need to use um, to flare is a suspended judgment mindset. And this is something that we don't do very often. We're so focused on like shooting down our ideas that really like you can't really generate that many ideas, but it's through generating a large quantity of ideas that like the right one will emerge. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting um, to see that people, because people lack this, like, openness, people are just afraid of entrepreneurship. Um, they don't give themselves the chance to come up with a large number of ideas and then go through the process of picking and choosing the right one, that immediately a lot of individuals just think they're not good at innovation, and this is something that really we really wanted to to fix uh, within our community, to tell people that entrepreneurship and innovation is really like sort of a even a muscle that you have to exercise, and and through that you get better. I don't know if something you agree with. I think a lot of people are scared of entrepreneurship and innovation. They don't think that they're innovative. They don't think they're entrepreneurial, and that's just not true that's a mindset that you build and foster for yourself. And so to encourage students to do that and say, everyone's an entrepreneur, because if regardless of the industry or the organization that you're in, you're going to want to be innovating and you're going to want to be pushing new ideas. And that's how you stay relevant. That's how you build yourself and your job. That's how you, you know, become an asset to your teams. And so um, I think we're really reflecting that in the curriculum was something that we felt strongly about. Yeah. And it was so interesting to kind of um, like uh, lead the workshops that you guys mm -hmm. kind of set up for us. Like being that being UIF fellows is so special because we get to like, you know, continue on each other's legacies. And so it was super cool to just like go through that training from Stanford and then also like teach the, these classes and keep your vision going. So from those workshops is also how we recruited a ton of um, students. Yeah. Like, um, because we opened it up at the end as well, saying that we're recruiting for our next uh, chapter. I'd love to hear, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to ask you guys questions, <laughs> but I'd love to hear if if you guys remember that workshop and if that had any, you know, And who was hosting input. it out of the four Yeah, of yeah, okay, who was hosting it? And then also did that have any input in wanting to be part of the program? I can answer that. That definitely impacted me. I was, um, I was at Lincoln Center, so my leaders were, Teddy and Katerina, and um, that was in our career exploration class. And I can definitely say that that was what made me wanna be a university innovation fellow because I'd already gone through ground floor at that point. And that had kind of confirmed my previously held belief that entrepreneurship was not for me. <laughs> I did not have a good time like coming up with a business and doing that kind of thing. But I think the, process of doing that workshop was really fun for me and I really enjoyed it maybe because there wasn't like a school project at stake or a grade at stake right. and I I'd always thought like you know in entrepreneurship and innovation 
takes a skill set that doesn't come naturally to me. But um, going through that exercise really showed me how when you break it down, it's not really as dependent on natural talent, you know? Yeah. So um, I think that made the process of going through the workshop made it made innovation look so much more accessible to me. And um, that's definitely what made me apply to be an innovation fellow because it just made me think, well, I used to think that I had no chance at any kind of entrepreneurial career, but this is showing me that I do have underlying skills that I could use for this. And if I develop them more, I could really make an impact. And that led me to um, applying to the program and getting in. I think there was also something just about having it student-led from yeah. students who are actually currently active at Fordham, which made everyone else just a little bit more comfortable because there wasn't any teacher or any like higher up person in the room. It was just a room of students like having fun, no grade. Um, so that was, I think that just made everyone more comfortable and made it a more attractive workshop. Um, to backtrack a little bit, we were talking about um, all the resources that Fordham has and how mm. they're not always getting good promotion or not always getting as much engagement. Um, are there any... So I know both of you have had some experience working with startups and various mm -hmm. social impact organizations. Um, are there any specific resources at Fordham that have really helped you in your own entrepreneurial endeavors? Julia, I mean, yeah, for me, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think honestly, weird enough, I was most um, involved in these resources as a freshman, like before I did this program. <laughs> um, but I, I essentially walked into Fordham <laughs> and on day one during our orientation, I, uh, one of the speakers that we had, our kind of keynote speaker, I'd say was Patrick Struby, who is a social entrepreneur. Um, he has his company fair Trasa, which is one of the biggest fair trade companies in the world. And so, um, he came to explain how that works and essentially what social entrepreneurship is. And I basically walked up to him at the end of his speech and shook his hand and I said, I want to be you <laughs> um, or something like you, you know, something similar. Um, I need to know, like, how does this work with social impact in business? Like, how, what, how did you get your idea? What were you doing? And so um, that encouraged me to keep seeking out resources. It was just kind of a moment where, I felt very called to this thing. And so I ended up finding Social Impact 360. And for those of you who don't know, I'm actually um, the national vice chair of the organization right now. Um, so if anybody is Ooh. interested in that program or starting a chapter on their campuses, it's it honestly single-handedly changed the course of what I wanna do with my life um, period. It was the most transformative experience I think I've had in college. Um, second only to this, this program, I must say, <laughs> uh, but it, it was really, um, an amazing experience to build my own business. I built a business in that year and I pitched it at our national pitch competition. And throughout that process of having to build my business, I really sought out a lot of these resources. Um, but I think the thing is, is had I not found that fellowship program and had I not, you know, put myself into it so fully, I don't think I would have found these resources. And so I think that's also why I became so passionate the next year about making sure other people knew that these things were out there. Um, because there were so many people that I would talk to and, and explain like, you know, what I was doing, why I was so busy. And they were like, that's so cool. I wish I could have done that. Um, and, and I hate that. I hate when people miss out on these opportunities to further themselves, but also to do good. You know, the more people that are doing good in business, 
the better. Um, so, so that's something I felt really passionate about going into the next year, but the foundry also, I know that a lot of you guys have been involved with the foundry as well. They were awesome. I, I used their, um, they do a pitch competition every spring. Um, I don't remember what it's called. So I apologize, but, um, that was a test run essentially for the national competition I did after that. And without that practice, I, I ended up actually winning the national pitch competition at the end of the social impact 360 program. And I really don't know if I would have been able to have the pitch that I did if I didn't get the help from the Fordham foundry and the people there and really getting challenged by, by them and encouraged. And so I think um, that is just such a phenomenal resource. They have internships there. They have classes you can do through there. There's so much opportunity to get involved with the Fordham Foundry that I really, really recommend that most students at least go in for some of the, their pizza Thursdays or whatever day it is of the week now, um, because they're they're really awesome people and they really, really helped me on my um, on my business plan as well. For me, um, I was just always involved with startups since high school. I started working for my first one. Um, and it was something that I always loved doing. I always just like mm-hmm. love the idea of working for a company that you can get be hands-on um, yeah. and be thrown into like every aspect of it. And that's something that also inspired me to always want to become an entrepreneur and have my own business someday, um, be my own boss, you know? Um, yeah, and then coming into Fordham, my freshman year, I would say I was very caught off guard about just the opportunities. And I don't know, I, I felt like there was not that much pressure. Like a lot of students around me were not motivated in the way that I was motivated to just like make some impact or get involved. Um, I actually also applied to SI360, Julia. I don't know if I told you this. I don't think you told me this. <laughs> I applied for the Rose Hill cohort. How dare they not accept you? The you thing is, it looks bad on my part. The reason why, what happened? Um, I I think I just completely forgot about the final interview and I did a no-show. And then I emailed <gasps> them like an hour after saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Can I still apply? And they said, sorry, it's too late. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm taking this as a sign. Oh, good. Oh, um, Teddy, we could have been friends freshman year if you had I done know. that. <laughs> but yeah, and then I got involved with UIF. Um, I never really got involved with the Foundry. I knew it was an amazing resource. Um, and I still think it is. For me, what I what I thought, and I still think was the most helpful is just the entrepreneurship classes that are um, offered at Fordham. Um, being an entrepreneurship concentration, I've obviously had to go through all of them and they are offered as electives for other business students. Um, but shout out to Milton, who's also part of, mm-hmm. part of the Foundry and he offers a venture startup experience class that I took last semester. Um, and in that class, you're thrown into an internship that's a Fordham-based business um, and you just intern with them. And then also you have a class with Milton every week. Um, and then from that, I was just I was paired with an amazing company um, and I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, so I love that class. Also just having innovation classes, just the core of the entrepreneurship concentration was really helpful. Okay, well, I think we can start wrapping up our discussion. It was really good to hear from you guys how different resources have impacted each of you and to kind of draw that um, distinction between entrepreneurship classes and other resources on campus. So. There's one question that we like to ask everybody who comes onto the podcast, um, just because we want to 
kind of get more of a look into your mind um, and what you're thinking about. So what is one thing that you're curious about right now? Something that's just been occupying your mind recently? Mm. That's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about that one. <laughs> you know, take your time. <laughs> I think what's been occupying my mind a lot, and I think this might be, I, I think this is, you know, in regards to the pandemic, as well as just a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement that's kind of researched over the summer and everything that has kind of come to the forefront in the wake of election season and all of those things, I think I've just been thinking about really hard, how do I live my life in the most conscious way? And how do I move forward with trying to build a career in the most conscious way? Because, you know, I've been a big proponent of sustainable business. And I think it's, it's a really important um, aspect of change. And, and it's a really great vessel for change making. But it's predicated on the success of sustainable business is predicated on this idea of con continued consumerism. Whereas what we really need to be doing is, is trying to make some cultural changes to consume less and consume, um, and, and oftentimes sustainable consumption is just really not accessible. Um, you, it, it should not be on the user to have to make those choices and do all the research um, and figure out what products are best and what aren't on their on their own um, because of the fact that, first of all, there's so many people that don't even have $1,000 um, at their disposal in this country. And so if we're going to actually make change and make it lasting and say, vote with your dollar, you know, then we need to be able to like allow people to vote with their dollar. If you're working two jobs and you don't have very much money in the bank, you're getting whatever is cheapest. And that is absolutely what you should be doing and so shaming people like companies use making it feel like you know users need to be the one to be pushing change you need to vote with your dollar that's not really the world that we live in um and that's kind of that's a false narrative of um you know how do we change business how do we make it more sustainable and so i've really been thinking hard about how do you do sustainable business in an era of really, um, you know, Americanized capitalism and extreme consumerism, you know, how does that work? Um, and that's something I really, I've been really thinking really deep and hard about because I don't think that we can have a fully fleshed solution until we consider the culture that we're living in and existing in. So that's kind of <laughs> not to go too, too deep and philosophical, but I've really been um, considering that a lot lately and, and trying to just think about where do I fit in all of this? And how do I make sure that I'm moving forward in a way that is challenging the status quo and um, not becoming complacent? Because I think that that time is up. Um, you know, we, we can't afford to do that anymore. And we need to begin to collaborate more across the aisle and across countries and across state lines to come together in a way that we can really meet this challenge because there are so many right now. Um, and it's a little terrifying when you really stop to think about it. So, so we need to start moving forward and, and, and becoming action, action oriented. Yeah. Um, that was amazing, Julia. For me, <laughs> Sorry. I really went off. Less serious. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I would say I'm just, 
I don't know. I feel like post-graduation, you always get like, I don't know, I've heard about the post-graduation scaries and everything. Oh, yeah. um, for me, it's like we're, I'm currently in a time of my life where I don't know what my life is going to look at, look like um, for the next six months, for the next two years, you know, yeah. going to college, you know exactly what to expect, you know, where you're going to be going, you know, where you're going to be living at least. Um, and so that's just exciting for me. Um, I'm constantly just thinking about what my future can look like, where I can be working, um, where I could be living, all that kind of stuff. Um, at the same time, I'm also just witnessing how fast life is just going by. Um, mm-hmm. When I'm like a teenager, always wanting to kind of <laughs> be like in my 20s, be able to drink and now having that and it going by so fast. Like I always hear older people talking about how fast life goes by. Um, so that's something that's just like I constantly think about and I constantly think about like, wow, I'm already where I'm at and excited for what's going to come. But thank um, you guys for those answers. That was really thoughtful. Glad to hear what you guys are thinking about right now. And it's been really interesting, really fun to have you guys on the podcast. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I, if anybody is intrigued by this conversation, I really do recommend looking into how you can get involved with this program at Fordham. That's my biggest piece of advice. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Gabelli School Innovators to keep up with the latest episodes. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here's a fun fact for you all. Did you know that Airbnb was actually scaled using the design thinking techniques discussed in this episode? At first, they were making around $200 per week, and then they were able to grow their revenue and transform Airbnb into a billion-dollar business. The co-founders started looking at the app like a user, and then they realized that the pictures looked terrible. So they decided to rent a camera, travel to New York, and spend time with their customers taking pictures of their homes. A week later, their revenue doubled, and they were able to transform the travel industry.